Brubacher and Trinity are proud to participate in this year's Construction Suicide Prevention Week, September 4th through the 8th, and National Suicide Prevention Month in September to help raise awareness about mental health. Suicide is a leading cause of death among working age adults in the United States. In the U.S., there are approximately 123 suicides per day. That breaks down to one death every 12 minutes. The other statistic that I would like to know, more construction deaths by suicide than by uh, accidents on site. So if you look at that as an industry, it's really think about that paradigm, more construction suicide deaths than actual deaths that happen on site in all categories. So it's definitely something that the industry has to um, in all take seriously and do their part in helping and preventing. So uh, Liz, with that note, let's say it's somebody outside of Rubacher who's listening to this. What do they do? Do you have any um, information or let's say someone out again, it's outside of Brubacher. They don't have the resources that we have. Maybe what are their avenues for, for, for reaching out for help? Yeah. I mean, I think Pete touched on a lot of good ones. I'm hoping that other organizations, um, you are training your supervisors so that if someone came to you, they would recognize the red flag. Um, and most organizations have EAP programs, not all. And I understand that, but a lot of them do. Um, and that's something that you definitely should take advantage of. And everyone needs help <laughs> at some point in their life. Um, so to to not feel overwhelmed um, by making that phone call and just trying to go and do that. If for some reason your organization doesn't have an EIP program, you could actually call MHA. Uh, we have a CMAP program, um, which functions a lot like EAP, um, and it gives some counseling sessions for free. So we can equip you and resource you with that. We have some advocates who will help you. Um, if none of those uh, are options or perhaps maybe just not something that you're feeling like you can do at that moment, um, there is a national crisis hotline, the 988. You can text it. Uh, it's on that card <laughs> that Chaplain Larry was talking about. So I would definitely recommend you doing that. There is a suicide crisis number also on that card, but um, we can give that out 1-800-273-8255. And then there's also what's called a warm line, um, which sounds maybe a little funny the way that it's phrased, but it's for people who maybe aren't at the moment of crisis, but still need someone to talk to. These are safe people who are trained to listen um, and trained to hear what your concern is. Um, so you can also always call the warm line um, and they can escalate things if they need to based on what they hear, but they also could just leave it where it is and you can call them anonymously and talk to them and then be like, okay, great. And hang up. Um, and maybe that's just the first step that you need to be able to share. So the warm line is 1-855-284-2494. And again, those numbers are on the card that Chaplain Larry has and also easily uh, accessible via Google. Yes, Pete. Yeah, I was thinking the stigma is a big thing. I think especially within just mental health is becoming a wider, broader discussion um, and I think it needs to be. And so for me, mental health runs in my family issues. And so I have to be aware of what goes before, but also to be aware of where I'm at. And so a lot of the mental health and suicide prevention is actually that self-awareness. Okay, I'm sleeping a little bit more. I'm feeling a little bit like I'm disengaged within the things that normally 
I enjoy. And so that self-care is very important, but sometimes when you're in that place, you cannot see it. And so having those people around you that can pull you out and say, hey, there's something, you know, my wife's very good at that. It's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. Give me a second. Let me think about it. Those conversations is really helpful. So I would say that having those conversations and if you deal with something, there is no shame. It's just, it's, it's a fact. It is what it is. And mental health doesn't always have to be a whole life thing. You might just be through a struggling season. So it might be, hey, my finances are terrible. I've had a leak in my ceiling. Someone broke into my car this week. You know, all that kind of stuff. It could be situational. But just being aware of where where am I at right now? What am I feeling? Like, I don't want to do something. Okay, probably I should reach out. And then also, because our industry is so many hours worked, that sometimes we don't have time for ourselves and time to relax and time to actually fill our cup. And I'm a big proponent in making sure that you look after yourself. What is it that you really enjoy? Is it the shooting range? Do you need to go and take a Saturday at a couple hours? I know our guys are hunters and fishers. When making that time for yourself and for your family is really important to fill that cup so that when you are going through those difficult times, that mental health is still being preserved because it is very much not seen a lot, but it actually, it does affect everything that you do. And so gone are the days where we say, leave your feelings at the door. Don't bring your home life into work. No, that's, 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 that's impossible. You bring everything that you are and dealing with into work. And we're in a high um, hazard workplace. And if we're not careful, we can go into a very dangerous place. And so making sure that you look after yourself means that you're actually also looking after your crew. You're looking after, like Liz said, making sure that we're actually being safe um, and so all these things does affect not just you, but those around you. So just be aware, look after yourself. Is there something that I'm going through? Do I need to reach out? Larry, myself, all those things are there to help you, but it takes you to make the first step. You've got to reach out. Yeah. And so one of the things you talked about, Liz, was the, the rescuing stage, right? And the stream. So what's the next, what's maybe not the deep water where you can't touch the bottom, but what's the next midstream? Are you in that realm or you're in the realm of uh, it's a, it's a little stream and, and you spend most of your time preventing. Well, I would say Pete did a really good job of talking about what midstream would be is like making sure that you're mindful of self-care and talking about um, really kind of taking the steps and the necessary actions um, to care for yourself and be aware of what's happening with you. Um, we do at MHA have some, uh, I would say, midstream approaches. So our advocates are really great at connecting with resources and providing the necessary interventions um, or helping you find the interventions that you need that are in the county. Um, so if you aren't working for an organization that has all these awesome resources, but maybe you need something else um, in addition, you can call MHA. MHA um, or find some other resources online. Um, and that what I would say would be the midstream level is getting therapy, getting the interventions that you need, having that holistic approach. My work in education is, I would say, all the way upstream. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to encourage and uh, empower people in the community, um, not only to uh, know the different dimensions of wellness, um, but also to 
shift a culture. So, you know, we're talking about mental health more as a society. Absolutely true. Um, we're promoting wellness more. Awesome things. Um, there's a lot of conversation about it. And now we need to put our money and our actions where our mouth is. Honestly, we need to be able to meet that with the necessary environmental changes, the policy, the ways that we are practically in the day-to-day interacting with one another. Um, and that can happen occupationally in the workplace. That can happen in our faith communities. <laughs> that could happen in any sphere of influence that we're having. Like, how are we truly shifting the culture and the perspective to say, like, what do you need? What do I need? How can we meet needs together? Um, and I think you made the comment, Chris, earlier when we were talking, if the tide rises, all the boats rise, right? And so, like, if we're all making sure that we're taking care of ourselves together, that's the perspective shift. Um, so I do a lot of conversation about uh, the eight dimensions of wellness. Um, And those are, we say, those are intellectual, physical, emotional, social, financial, occupational, environmental, and spiritual. And so there are a lot of components to who a person is, um, but being able to know and recognize that there's mental health wellness, which are good things. And then there are times, like Pete said, where things aren't so great. So like maybe you are in an awesome social wellness situation and your financial wellness is just really making you and like sucking you down. Um, So being able to kind of know where you are, take a pulse of what's going on for each of those dimensions, how they interact with one another, and really just having this almost like social norming of self-care. I think self-care has become a buzzword uh, that shouldn't be because it's not, it's a buzzword that we're all talking about, but then we actually need to do it. So just this connection piece with that perspective, like how are we saying and talking about these really important things and then actually going to do it. So that's what I do in the education side of things. Um, and the culture shift changes. So hopefully once you are having those conversations at the upstream part um, or catching the upstream part for the people in the community, they're not jumping in the river. They're already talking about things um, on the shore of the river and they're talking about it with the resources um, or they know like, hey, I'm starting to walk down to the midstream. I need to call my therapist. I need to call my friend. I need to call the person who I know can check in with me. So has there become, I guess, one of the questions, is there, because there's more awareness of these situations that, and I just think back to, you know, spending time with my grandfather. He's a, you know, a war vet, a man's man. Um, I'm sure he went through some struggles himself at some point, but never had the resources that we have now or... Um, did they did they treat it different back then? What what do you think the biggest shift has been in our society to help with mental health? That's a big question. I don't know if I feel fully equipped to answer it. I guess I'll touch on that. I know how trauma impacts the brain and the neuroscience behind that is is new research. Like that has been done in the last two or three decades. It's not that it hasn't been talked about before. Like we we know about PTSD. We understand that trauma does impact the brain, but the levels and layers that we've been able to see um, just medically with how things are changing the brain, like that is kind of opening up the door for linking neuroscience with mental health, with emotions and just how everything is playing together. So this doesn't isn't specific to suicide prevention. So if you want to cut yeah. it, that's okay. But uh, myself as a parent, right? Like I am 
thinking and parenting differently, my kids who have been brought home to me through adoption, um, because I recognize that their trauma history is something that I, myself, and my brain hasn't experienced. And so like how they perceive the world is different than what I grew up with. But now I, I'm I'm equipped with more information because of the medical knowledge that I have been able to glean from different trainings. And so to some degree, I do think that 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 translates to this conversation, like we're, we're learning more. And so we're able to, we're able to assess in a different way than we were before, not to say that it was bad in the past, it was just different. And so now we're able to have more resources available. So Liz, one of the things you said a lot of acronyms out here, and one was QPR. Can you go a little bit more in depth into that and explain that better? Yeah, so this is um, a specific organization and training, evidence-based training model that stands for question, persuade, and refer. And so um, this is a pretty simple acronym that you can find if you are someone who notices that another coworker or friend or individual um, might be struggling, maybe the red flag has gone up, you can think. QPR, question, persuade, refer. So one myth that we really need to debunk in this um, conversation, specifically around suicidal um, ideation and suicide prevention. So the myth is that if you ask someone if they have thought about or intend to harm themselves, um, the myth is that you are then going to plant that idea in their heads. Um, and that myth is just simply not true. The research is showing that it's not true. In fact, the research is showing that those who are considering suicide, they don't self-refer. They tend to resist treatment. So in some cases, the question of asking them, like that's the intervention, that's the way that you're going to save the life. So you can do it directly. Hey, have you thought about harming yourself today? Or you could do it indirectly. Like, hey, I've noticed that you're fill in the blank, seeming really sad lately. Like what's going on? Like try and get them to end the conversation, question what's going on, be curious, try to understand the why. The persuade is getting them um, to help. And so, uh, a lot of the things that Pete touched on, a lot of that like midstream intervention approach, like how can we equip them? If they are in a moment of crisis, you need to call the crisis line. That's the persuade. Like, hey, I'm going to sit right here with you while we go do this. And that leads into the refer, like referring the person to the right resource. So being able to recognize like, hey, is this person um, imminently in crisis? How quickly do I need to escalate this to get them to the help that they need? Um, or is this something like, hey, we can sit down and fill out the intake form together on the counseling page or whatever that looks like. Um, so referring them to the right one. So QPR, question, persuade, refer, highly recommend it. There's actually a longer training that you can take. Um, several different agencies and organizations um, offer it throughout the county. Um, and we could be a resource to help you find that if that's something that you're interested in. So Pastor Larry, um, I don't feel comfortable sometimes going to Pete and I need resources, how do I get in touch with you? Or if I feel one of my coworkers is need some resources and I think you're the person, how do I get in touch with you? My information is available uh, on the business card that's been handed out. They're available in the lunchrooms at different areas throughout the uh, shop here. Uh, call me, text me, uh, email me, Whatever. I'm available 24 hours a day. Okay. You can leave a message. I probably won't answer the phone at 3 a.m. in the morning. 
but I will return your call or return the message that you send. I will respond to it uh, and we'll get resources, get you connected to whatever you need. Yeah, and if there's some kind of other emergency um, that you're going through, um, you're also the resource for that. Yes. So not Absolutely. just in this one, this one um, suicide prevention, but also in any um, emergency or situation, family, right. financial, uh, a tragedy, an accident, you, you are the resource for our team members. I think as well, it's good to say that sometimes they can't reach out themselves. And so for you to reach out for them. So the line that I always use is it, I say, is it okay if I reach out to Chaplain Larry for you? Is it okay if Chaplain Larry gives you a call? Because sometimes when you're in that hole, it's very hard to see the light. And so having that person to say, hey, is it okay if I reach out to Pete for you and get Pete to call you? means that you, you, the person going through the tough time doesn't have to. That effort seems like a mountain. Yes. And so um, that's my advice is if you see someone going through something, say, hey, can I reach out to Larry for you? You're being now their advocate. And so that's just something that I've been trying to do myself. When someone's going through something, I say, hey, is it okay if Chaplain Larry calls you? And then they have to say yes or no rather than pick up the phone and call. It's FYI. Great. And yes. So what I discovered over the years is that what a lot of people need is just someone to listen to them. I mean, there's been many times when people thank me over and over for the, how much I helped them and the help I gave them was a listening ear. In our society today, we don't have time to listen to one another. We're so busy doing this. We got to get this done, got to get this done. And then the next thing, and so just to be able to, to listen and listen to understand, to validate people's feelings and what they're struggling with, and, and just to be there is an incredible resource. And anybody can do that. Uh, listen, I guess maybe some people are better listeners than others, maybe. But that, I think, is a big point to make that be available and be a listening ear and just validate the person's feeling not not to diminish oh you shouldn't be feeling that way i mean to validate what they're expressing to you and then if need be referring to resources what people need to understand is there's an incredible wealth of resources out there we don't need to fix people <laughs> what we need to do is refer them to the professionals that are trained professionals that know how to uh work with individuals and find the help that they need. Make the assist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Liz, any closing remarks or I appreciate your time so much today. This has been like an eye opening. Um, but I'll, I'll, leave, uh, you know, I'll let you have the floor here for some closing remarks. I'm grateful to be here. I think I, I'm honored to be part of the conversation and I am so encouraged and humbled um, that this level of care and resourcing is being done in organizations like Brewbakers because it's so important and necessary. So thank you for all of the work that you're doing um, and thank you for all of the efforts that you're doing to care for your employees. Um, I will always say and advocate um, that the, you know, education is power. And if, even if that is um, educating yourself about yourself, 
um, so that you can just take a pulse on where you are and what you need to do. Just take that four minute break to breathe for a minute and just say, hey, what's going on for me right now? What do I need? Who do I need to contact? Um, those simple questions, um, if you're honest with yourself, I think will take you a long way and they'll point you in the right direction. But yeah, thank you for your time and thanks for everything that you're doing. I really appreciate it. All right. Last thing I wanted to say to everybody was, you know, if you think of this as a different situation, right? We all take safety as a value. And if there was a team member that was in way of a piece of equipment, we would definitely take that person by the hand and help them out of the way. This is the same thing. And it's just in this mental health um, in the construction industry, we've talked about it. It might be different. But if you do see a team member that's not uh, seem right, please talk to them. And uh, if they do need assistance, um, be there for them. Be their brother's keeper. But I just want to thank everybody for their time and efforts. And we will talk to you at the next podcast. And have a great day.